Good morning. I have five verses for us to consider this morning. So if you have a pen and paper, I encourage you to take them out and write these down. I want you to revisit them this week. First, the Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. For you are our Lord, our rock, and our Redeemer. Amen. So Matthew chapter 16, verses 25 and 26. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And John chapter 14, verse 23. Matthew 16, 25 and 26, we read this morning, Whoever gave his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his life? Or what shall a man trade in return for his life? And Romans 12, 1 through 2, translation from what we heard this morning. In view of God's many mercies, those mercies I've been talking about for four chapters, both Jew, to both Jew and Gentile, to all people, in view of these mercies, present yourself as a living sacrifice to God. And do not, excuse me, do not assimilate into this age, but be transfigured by the renewing of your thoughts, opinions, and your mind. In John chapter 14, verse 23, if anyone loves me, he will obey my commandments. We heard that. Uh, 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 we heard a reference to that in the collect for the day. If anyone loves me, he will obey me, obey my commands. And so Matthew, sixteen twenty-five through twenty-six. In these verses, we hear the evangelist and tax collector recalling a short parable that Jesus gave. I think it was probably a parable that the tax collector resonated with strongly. Jesus is using the language of trade markets, of profits and losses, of gains, of savings and dividends. For this tax collector, he is resonating with Jesus' use of trade market language to explain how we can gain eternal life. Jesus often used uh, regular, everyday language, things that we use in our workplaces or in the streets, in our homes, to describe eternal truths. And that's what he's doing in these verses. Jesus is teaching us about the market that we have in our souls, where we can trade our soul in order to gain a little bit of this world that will fade and crumble. Or we can tra trade a little bit of this world to gain our soul. The people of this church are no foreigner to trade language. We all have jobs. We know about profits and losses, paychecks and insurance. And the city of Charleston is also no foreigner to trade language. We're a port city. We trade in commodities, and for centuries we have known very well this trade language. 
Charleston has long had a history of trading in commodities, goods, and services for financial gain. And for over a hundred years, the streets of Charleston, unfortunately, profited from the souls of men, women, and children being traded in public. As many as 40% of all slaves bought and sold in the United States were traded within two blocks of St. Philip's Anglican Church, from Church Street to East Bay, from Queen Street to Broad. Men and women in Charleston attempted to sell the image of God to profit off of souls. And so they grossly disregarded, cast off this reading for this morning. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet forfeits his very life? Or what shall a man give, sell, trade, in return for his life. To this day, the witness of slave traders in Charleston, their attempt to brutalize God's image, to make them into beasts of the field, remains a stumbling block to many and continues to segregate Sunday mornings. These are important verses. Today, in the gospel reading, we have also heard about another man, another kind of man, who has made a great trade on the market of his soul. He has had a huge transformation. He has repented from his ways, you might say. See, last week, we read about Peter, who confessed that Jesus was the Christ, the Anointed One, the Son of the Living God. These are providential, God-heavenly things. And ten verses later this morning, we hear a complete turnaround. As Peter pulls Jesus aside and exchanges the providence and the kingdom of God for the will of just a few men. Peter had confessed Jesus' sovereignty last week. And now ten verses later... Peter takes Jesus aside as a friend to rebuke him strongly. The word rebuke means to bring criminal charges against him. He says, may God have mercy upon your soul. May this never be upon you. And so he twists, Peter twists the words of God. And he uses an old Hebrew blessing in contradiction to God's will. But Jesus responds, get behind me, you enemy of God, for you who were a rock are a stumbling block to me. You scandalize me because you have in your mind not the thoughts of God, but the thoughts of humans. Indeed, Peter has had an immense transformation in just a few verses Though Peter knew that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God, Peter made a bad trade. He traded the sovereignty of God for human sovereignty. He wanted Jesus to be an earthly king in spite of God's plans. And he would make a bad trade again in Matthew 26 when he denies knowing Jesus times. 
What a massive transformation from one day to the next. What a massively bad trade in the market of his soul. And yet, Peter saw Christ transfigured. And yet, Peter was reinstated in John chapter 21. Peter too would be commended for his faith. Peter too would be transformed or transfigured by the renewal of his mind, as we read in Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Paul writes in Romans 12, in view of God's mercy, having that before your eyes at all times, present yourself to God ready to be sacrificed. And in so doing, do not assimilate into this age. Do not look just like everyone else out there, but be transfigured by the renewing of your thoughts, your opinions, and your mind. This word that Paul uses that I keep saying is transfigured is the same word that is used by two evangelists to describe the transformation of Christ on the Mount of Transfiguration. And it's only used one other time in the New Testament. It's Paul, and he's using it almost quoting Romans 12. Peter eventually took hold of Jesus' trade analogy in Matthew. And in his life, he had a massive transformation as he took upon himself a new way of thinking. He renewed his mind through the Holy Spirit's power and through Jesus' work in his life when he saw Christ rise from the dead and ascend into heaven, he could no longer entertain lofty thoughts about himself. That's Romans 12, 3. And Paul continues in Romans, Do not be haughty or proud, but instead entertain humble thoughts about yourself, as God has measured out to each one a specific amount of faith. Peter, through his failures, learned to think about himself in more realistic terms. He learned that he was a sinner. In the trade market of his soul, he was a failure. He was corrupt. He had acquired more debt than he could afford. He had, a tra he had traded the things of God for a few shiny trinkets in the slow penny trades of the everyday. Well, there's another man I want to talk about. This man also made a bad trade in the market of his soul. He too would trade God's heavenly plans for an earthly agenda. And for 30 pieces of silver, Judas traded lives for money, and he became a slave trader. And Jesus became a, uh, a slave sold to the temple for 30 pieces. And when the priests, the Pharisees, and the religious elite had no more use of him, he was discarded. And so Jesus began to know the deepest pains in life. In order to gain just a few shiny trinkets, Judas sold his very soul. But what was the difference between Judas 
and Peter. They both made this bad trade. They both gave up Jesus. But unlike Peter, Judas refused to fall upon the mercies of God. Unlike Peter, Judas refused to be transfigured with the Christ. He refused to acknowledge this rabbi Jesus as Lord and Savior. Judas never repented. Unlike Peter, Judas refused to believe that Christ could die for someone like him. And so Judas fell and he was damned. And unlike Judas, Peter did go on to repent. It's not the might of Peter, but the might of Christ in his life, so that Peter could go on to be transformed into the likeness of his master by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Peter one day fulfilled his discipleship of Christ. Though he was not perfect in any way, he denied himself, he picked up his cross, and he imitated his master in an inverted crucifixion. My brothers and sisters, we each have a choice. Many of the slave traders of the 19th century sat in pews like we have in our church. And many of them listened to sermons like these. Many of them confessed their sins on Sunday mornings like we will do in a few minutes. They heard the absolution, but did they fall upon the mercy of God? Did they take the words that they heard and appropriate them into their lives? Did they kneel before their Maker and think of themselves not more lofty than they ought? Some were like Peter, I think, and did have a transformation. And some, I think, were like Judas. And so as we transition into the work week of Monday and Tuesday, in a way, just a few verses later in our lives, will we still cast ourselves upon the mercies of God, not leaving Sunday behind? And out of God's many mercies, will we choose to pick up our cross and follow after Him? Will we look into our neighbor's eyes and offer hospitality? Will we love them as Jesus would love them? Will we trade our daily desires, our earthly hopes for an eternal life? And will we begin to live as if eternity has already begun for us? When we pray, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, we must begin to fulfill these prayers in our own lives by letting Christ reign, by letting God's will be done in our lives through us. For if we love the Lord Jesus and God our Father, we will obey His commands. That's John 14, 23. If you love me, you will obey my commands. And so, tomorrow will soon be today. But eternity is already here. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, 
which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Amen.